Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. We lost Kobe Bryant just over a week ago, and it's still hard to comprehend. But as much as everyone has said about him, there is so much more to explore. Today, we'll speak to a journalist who knew him well, on The Mike Wise Show. Darlene? The Mike Wise Show is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. The Mike Wise Show is hosted by a guy who played basketball atrociously for Hawaii Pacific College, which forced him into journalism. And, oh yeah, he wrote about basketball for the New York Times, the Washington Post, and ESPN. He's also a wise ass, and so are many of his guests. Right, Mike? Thank you, Darlene. Normally, today's guest is a wise man and a wise guy, but this week we tap into his wisdom. Om Youngmi Suk covers the NBA for ESPN in LA and is a longtime observer of Kobe Bryant and someone I've known for a long time. Om, I, I know you were there with the Lakers in Philly when everything happened, and you, you've been in LA since. What What is the mood like? If you had to, if you had to paint the picture of of that organization in that town right now? Mike, it's like, uh, and I don't think this would be an exaggeration or hyperbole, but uh, the city is heartbroken. Um, it certainly feels like something that people here uh, are going to have a long, are going to have a hard time and maybe need, and need a long time to get over if they can. Um, you see people kind of walking around a little bit like in a haze. I think, I was with the uh, Lakers on Saturday night in Philadelphia when LeBron passed Kobe and LeBron couldn't believe that kind of like the universe had made this happen where he passes Kobe on the all-time scoring list in Philadelphia where, you know, Kobe grew up and It's it's still one of the craziest coincidences of all. I mean, that that happened and he dies a day later is just crazy. Yeah, and so the night before, Kobe, I mean, uh, LeBron was talk, talk for about 12 minutes. And if you just asked him one question about Kobe, he would go on and on and on. All the questions were about Kobe. And the first question, LeBron talked for like four or five minutes, just one answer, uh, just talking about growing up, coming out of high school like Kobe, looking up to Kobe, idolizing him. He told a story at one time when Kobe gave him his shoes and he wore it in the game. And he was like, the shoes were even a size too small for him, but he still wore them. And then basically it was like to have Kobe show up to Laker games and watch him in retirement with, G- with Gigi, he-, he was just blown away by that. And he said, I hope someday soon I'll be doing the same and perhaps watching Ben Simmons, you know, when I'm retired and kind of honoring the guys and things like that. So he was absolutely blown away. And then the next day, when the news trickled out, and it was certainly one of those moments where you'll always remember where you were when you found out the news, mm. the Lakers were on a team flight back from Philadelphia to Los Angeles because they did not fly out immediately after the game that night because it was such a late game. So they decided to fly out the next morning, late in the morning, and were in the air when the news broke. And I was told that 
Kurt Rambis was among the first to find out. I think he was able to find out from Linda. And then word started spreading, and someone told Frank Vogel, and then Frank Vogel went and broke the news to the players. And I think a lot of the players didn't know because some of them were sleeping or they weren't really on their phone kind of trying to check things. And they were up in there, and the Lakers had to remain on that plane for, you know, they were still oh, flying back. It's, just still a, air, it's, so. it's, it's like a, a, an Airbus of grief. Um, yeah. I just, I can't imagine the, you know, the, the heaves and sobs coming out of that plane. Uh, the, the, Kobe was close to a lot of these people and, you know, and there's they're not only the player bond, but there's just the Laker bond and, ah, man, I just, that, that's gotta be the toughest plane ride. I think I could imagine. Well, Mike, uh, you know, this, you imagine like this Laker organization, there's a, there's so many layers that Kobe Bryant has impacted and affected. He obviously was an employee and a son, basically, of that organization for two decades. So think about all the people he knows in that building and from the top, Jeannie Buss, who considered him like family, um, and then Rob Malenka, the general manager who not only was his longtime agent, but was basically like a brother to him. They talked every day. They were best friends, and he was Gigi's godfather. Um, mm-hmm. Perhaps the person most impacted by this outside of the Bryant family is Palenka. And then you go down to the coaching staff, Jason Kidd, Phil Handy. They knew uh, Kobe Bryant really well. Jason Kidd at one point played with him on the Olympic team, wanted to actually be traded from the Nets at one point to Los Angeles to play with Kobe Bryant prior to actually being traded to Dallas. Um, you know, then you had LeBron. You had so many players on that team that looked up to him and idolized him. And then employees on the team that were so grief-stricken that, you know, my colleague Dave McMenamin had reported, I think, early in the week that they had grief counselors on site at the facility and gave employees these packets to take home with them to try to cope. Well, just the <clears throat> the outpouring from people close to him, uh, Jeannie Buss's statement um, <clears throat> and, and the story – about her uh, Kobe taking her to lunch after after essentially everything that happened, you know, yeah, uh, the, yeah. The, and, and that and that she's she's realizing that um, he's taking her to lunch and he's doing a nice thing for her, and and all of a sudden she says he helps her find her purpose in moving past her father's passing, and he also brings his little daughter, Gigi to me like hey look you can be an nba executive too you don't have to be a guy to do that it was just like such a great little anecdote about who he was and the closeness of and you know having genie on the podcast before and knowing her for a long time she's you know for whatever whatever the drama with the lakers was the last couple of years she at her core she's about as regular as you can be for a person that's the heir to the bus fortune and you could tell it just it just ate her up. Yeah, I mean the entire organization was just gutted. I mean all the way up until, you know, I think a lot of people in Los Angeles, uh, they're wondering how they're going to make get through this. I mean that there was no way they could play that game on Tuesday. The Clippers and Lakers were supposed to play uh, that first game back from Staples. I mean, forget about the Lakers. The Clippers, uh, Doc Rivers broke down in tears on Sunday night because they had to play hours after learning about Brian's death in Orlando. And that game wasn't canceled. They were one of the first teams um, to have to play that night. And I Doc can't Rivers even, said he just, 
He said he didn't know what to tell his team going in the locker room about playing a game that night. And Lou Williams, who played with Kobe Bryant, um, you know, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George grew up in Southern California idolizing Kobe Bryant. Paul, Paul George said he picked up a basketball because of Kobe. Kobe helped him get through that gruesome leg injury uh, that he suffered with the USA team. And then Kawhi, who knew Kobe so well that he actually trained with him and practiced with him prior to going to Toronto and said he used Kobe's motivation every game and thought about him during that title run and said Kobe, outside of family and outside of his teammates, Kobe was like one of the first per- people he called from the locker room when he won the championship. Uh, and when he came to L.A., he reached out to Kobe and, and talked about everything from where to live to even how to commute. And Kobe told him, use helicopters like I do to get around from Newport because Kawhi has a home in San Diego and a residence uh, near Staples Center downtown. And he started using a helicopter and had the same pilot. They shared the same pilot who actually died in the crash. Oh, you know what I like about this? And this is going to sound weird, not like, but, but admire is, you know, for so long, and maybe it's a guy thing. We don't ask for help. We keep our emotions inside and I've never seen a bunch of what I would call, you know, guys who are taught masculinity all their life sort of being so vulnerable. Man, it's hard to watch Shaquille O'Neal break down in tears. It's hard to Jerry West, probably one of the toughest son of a bitches ever to play that for him to just wade through an interview with tears streaming down his face. I mean, it, I don't want to say it's cathartic, but like there's this. There's this group therapy going on nationally right now that is happening, and it's 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 painful to watch. But it's like it's how we're it's all it's how everybody's dealing with it. Like it's a community of support. Yeah, I think um, you know when you see these guys that you've you know known for you didn't need to know Kobe Bryant, but a lot of people here in Los Angeles felt like they knew him because. Unlike many superstars that we've ever seen, and lately even Michael Jordan, for example, you know, uh, uh, obviously there's a connection with Michael Jordan in Chicago and everybody else, but, but you know, Los Angeles felt like Kobe was theirs. He came here as a kid. He grew up as a man. They lived with his trials and tribulations off the court. They saw him become a champion once. They saw him tear down a dynasty and then win again and become a champion again. Uh, they felt like he was theirs, and it didn't matter what color you were, what ethnicity, how old you were, how young you were, where you lived, what, you know, wh- wh- how rich you were, how poor you were. Kobe was theirs, and yeah. I, I, you know, so, when I was, I was on a radio show in uh, in New York, and um, the host there, Larry Hardesty, asked me, "What would this be like? Can you tell New Yorkers what this is like to understand?" Oh, I, I know Larry Hardesty. Yeah, and I told Larry, I said. God forbid, knock on wood, but for New Yorkers to understand this, it would be like something happening to Derek Jeter. But I was like, but I was like, Derek Jeter was very private off the court, you know, I mean, off the field. And he also, you know, the other thing that it just is excruciating about this, and I think it hits another level, is that Kobe was a father and he started to like let us see behind Mm. the curtain him and Gigi and him and his kids. And yeah, so, like the other night when they showed the fair, the the last game for Kobe, I was watching and I just I was laughing at the moments of how ridiculous Kobe was, the shots oh. he was hitting. Because I remember like ten minutes ago, 
He had like 43 points, Mike. The, the, and, I, I I, and I said out loud, I'm like, how is he going to end up with 60? You know? <laughs> this is hilarious. Was... It's funny you say that. I've been trying to, you know, communicate. The first time I've told my nine-year-old Oliver about death, sort of. We always try and shield them. And when all the ugly stuff is going on in the world, like mass shootings and whatnot. But this was one I knew he was going to go to school and hear about. And so I said, you know, remember I told you who one of the greatest players I ever covered was? And, you know, Kobe Bryant, I go, well, he died. And he goes, he died? He was young. I go, yeah, he died in a helicopter. And he just got frozen. And I, I thought he was going to cry, but he just started asking me quite. And he goes, what happened? What? How did it go down? And he wanted, he was just so interested in it. But I said, buddy, let's go look at this final game. I taped the game. But, oh, we're at 43 points right now. He had to go to school this morning. He's not going to believe that he scored 17 more in the final four minutes or something and, <laughs> and like, won this game. That they were, Oh, it's freaking unbelievable. If I scored 60 in my last game, I would be so egocentric. I would, like, take a million-dollar deal the next year just so I could play. Like, I'm not done. I can't – I don't oh. care if I took 55 shots. I'm not done. And uh, Yeah, I mean – And so, like – Wow, to go out on that note and sort of be, you know, be happy with that. I mean, Michael Jordan's last game with the Wizards was just, it was, you know, it's just so forgettable, you know. Yeah. And and now you look at Kobe and wow, I mean, it just, oh man. But, it's Mike, still... but Mike, like, think about this. You and I were there from the beginning. I mean, well, my, well, so my was favorite LA. memories. You talk about like everybody, go ahead, but you talk about everybody. Kobe grew up. They Kobe grew up in front of their eyes. He was 17 years yeah. old when he came to town. Yeah. And you were going to say what, what one of your favorite memories was? Well, well, Mike, remember you and I were there the night uh, at Madison Square Garden where Kobe Bryant played his. You know, he was the youngest All Star ever, mm-hmm. and we thought we saw the passing of the torch, which were from Michael to Kobe, where you know this 19 year old Kobe Bryant uh, who was voted into the All Star game didn't even start at the time for the Lakers. Which is going at Michael one on one isolation. <laughs> and he went, his oh, the, oh, the famous remember. when he the famous he yeah. waves Carl Malone off for a yeah. screen. Yeah. Like and Carl and Malone's just theory. wounded, like, wait, I'm Mr. Pick and Pop. I'm Mr. Pick and Roll. This is what Stockton and me and doing you know, I the, you're you're honored by my screen. And Kobe's yeah, like, yeah. uh uh, no, no, no grabs. It's it's my yeah, league yeah. now. Yeah, uh, Jason Williams would tell me years later. When we were talking about that game, I, I talked to him on the eve of when the All-Star game was returning back to Madison Square Garden. And you're talking and Jason, Jason Williams, Williams of the Nets, not not White yeah. Chocolate, right? Yes, Jason Williams of the Nets, who who played in that 1998 All-Star game for yep. the New Jersey Nets, said, "Who he goes? Who has the audacity to wave off the mailman when you come to <laughs> set a pick or he's calling for the ball?" He goes, "We all." He goes, "I literally thought." This is the most arrogant kid I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and then That's and great. then I asked him about the passing of the torch. He goes, yeah, you know, everybody talks about that. And he goes, let me tell you something. He goes, Michael Jordan, he wouldn't pass anything to anyone. He goes, he'd pass that kid a, a stick of dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like basically Jason Williams. Oh, you know, that's humor. great. Well, my, uh, am like, I, you know, but no, it, it, there's truth behind it too, because Michael's so proud of his own legacy. He can't even deal with the LeBron comparisons. Uh, yeah. You know, like now it's sort of like when, you know, when Kobe was in the mix, at least he could be safe and, and say, well, he, he won his first three with Shaq or he, he got five. He didn't get six. And, um, and you know, and, and I'm still the greatest shooting guard of all time. And, you know, I'll, I'll agree with that. Kobe's number two. Yeah. And I still say Kobe Bryant was the he was the baton carrier between Michael and LeBron. 
Michael gave yeah. it to him. He handed it off to LeBron, and that and that was such a necessary part of that league growing because you remember we're talking after Shaq and Kobe did their their three peat and the Bling Dynasty was in in all full flower. Kobe is caught up in a felony sexual assault case in Colorado. Within a year, the malice of the palace happens. The NBA needed him to not only um, not be tried uh, or convicted, they needed him to be a star, and he was. He was everything yeah. they wanted him to be. Well, I think at that uh, that Olympic team, what, in 2008? Uh, is the Redeem when they team. Had LeBron, LeBron and Kobe were on that team, and Jason Kidd was on that team. And part of the, the – you know, Jason Kidd, obviously, I think, never lost a game in Olympic, Olympic play, but – one reason they also had him on that team, I believe, was to kind of be that buffer to help Kobe and LeBron kind of become, you know, friends because they were rivals. Uh, yeah. And I, there was always a respect there. But I think, like, you know, Jason was kind of like that guy that kind of helped them kind of bridge that gap. And then, you know, look, when LeBron arrived here last year, you know, these street artists here would start putting up murals of LeBron in Lakers in a Lakers uniform and – they would get vandalized and people thought it was Kobe's. It was the Mamba army. It was Kobe supporters because that's just how fierce things were between oh. people who supported Kobe and people who supported LeBron. Yeah. But now, I mean, I, you know, that I've thing gotten, has gone away. It went away this season because you could see Kobe come to games. Kobe wasn't coming to games after he retired. My first year here, I covered Lonzo Ball, Lonzo Ball's rookie year. And Kobe, I think the only time Kobe was at the arena was when he had his jerseys retired. And then he started coming more because of the story he told was that he wasn't watching a lot of NBA early in his retirement, but Gigi started watching and Gigi started following players and she started liking Trey Young. And I all of a sudden now Kobe think. gets into it, you know, I and then Kobe went out I, I can't even think of like the, the daughters, the, the people that died in the crash, the, the other two, the other two kids, there were teammates. I can't even think. It's just such a nightmare. Everything about it, it's so shocking. Before I let you go, because I know you have to cover practice. I know there's a lot going on. Um, th this won't air until Monday, of course. Uh, I'm hearing some rumors that the the funeral, the memorial service, the, the massive one, might not happen until into February at some point. Are you hearing the same? Yeah, we don't. I think they're still trying to figure things out. I mean, it, there's a lot of things that are being juggled in the air, and I think they're also the Lakers are very and the NBA are very cognizant of following the lead of the Bryant family. Um, and whenever they decide to to hold one and figure out in between the Lakers schedule, um, this entire city is going to it's going to feel like it's gonna, they're going to be there. Um, like yeah. when I went to the night I landed in LA on Sunday night after um, the tragedy, I went straight to LA live uh, just to see like the fans that were out there. And there were still fans out there chanting Kobe. They were playing boys to men. Um, it's oh. so hard to say goodbye to yesterday. Uh, Puff daddies. I'll be missing you. There oh. were just candle lights everywhere. Jerseys, oh. bears, flowers. It's just like, it's and a sea of grief. A sea of like grief, and it's like, and, and, and it's, and it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like, it's almost like you need to be there. I, I went to a, yeah. this is, this is the worst analogy ever, but George Harrison died. And I remember going, you know, I lived on the Upper West Side of New York and uh, Frank Isola calls it the tomb of the unknown bachelor now um, that I've left. And um, he, at any rate, he, um, I, you know, there were the strawberry fields, the John Lennon area, Yoko Ono established 
like everybody just started showing up in mass people you didn't even know and they started playing guitars and people were singing Beatles songs yeah I didn't have yeah. any connection to the Beatles but I'm sitting here bawling my eyes out for one of the Beatles I can't imagine if you loved Kobe Bryant growing up 41 years old um he dies and you're out there with your jersey candlelight every person that you know every person there is sort of part of your army part of Kobe's army the mamba the mamba mentality army and you're just you're just trying to hold it together for one another i don't know man i, I don't know when this is going to end but i just feel weird talking basketball until at least maybe post all-star game I'm sure I'll have to before then, but I just but Mike, feel like this Mike, thing is so dominated. It's so dominated, not just sports culture, but but our nation's culture outside of like the impeachment that I just I feel like well, it's everything anybody wants to talk about. It, it goes it goes around the world, Mike. I mean, Kobe was huge in China. He's huge in the Philippines. Yep. Huge in Italy. Uh, but you know what? Talking basketball for some people is therapeutic. When I was there at the memorial, and I've, I've been there multiple times now, I went on Thursday night after the Clippers game, because Doc Rivers apparently walked across across the in the street to go check it out after the game. Mm. And Luke Walton, when the Sacramento Kings arrived, they played the Clippers that first night. They arrived at two in the morning. He said he left the hotel and walked out there and heard people chanting Kobe at two in the morning. And so, but you hear- well, Luke, you, you Luke, and him, well, Luke and him got along famously. Yeah, they were very tight. They won two championships together. When you're out there, though, Mike, some people are walking around in the haze, and even every step you walk on at LA Live, people have written in chalk like messages to Kobe, or they've drawn pictures of Kobe and Gigi, and so you're walking on things literally as you're walking around, around looking at the candle and stuff. But you see people walking around in the haze, or you see some people sharing their Kobe stories and talking basketball mm. and talking about their favorite Kobe moment, and I think. A lot of these stories that have come out this week, um, as tough as they've been for a lot of us to write, uh, some people have said that it's kind of helped them. Uh, you know, the video the Clippers produced uh, that night to play was amazing. It was narrated by Paul George. It was beautifully, uh. beautifully written and beautifully narrated. And if you get a chance, you should watch it. And I know on my comments, people were just saying that, like, it was, it was good to watch, but really hard to watch. People were crying in their cars, watching it on their phone. It's uh, and that that's why you know to imagine what the Lakers are going through is just uh, it's just hard to even think about. Om Young Misuk, as usual, tremendous. Thank you so much for the time. I know you got a busy uh, well busy week covering the Lakers and the fallout from the Kobe tragedy. Uh, you know, Buddha be with you because I know you're Buddhist. <laughs> Thank you. And and um. And and I want and I want you to um, I want you to think about all the great things and all the great times we had covering the guy. We got paid yeah. for that. Think about it. Yeah. yeah. Think about that. We got paid to watch Kobe Bryant when other people Mike. were paying five hundred thousands of dollars to see him. We got paid to watch him and write about him. And oh my God, Mike, do you remember that? Do you remember that first night that night at Madison Square Garden? Afterwards, we were in the locker room. Remember, Kobe had been benched in that fourth oh, quarter yes. by George Carl. Uh, but he was still all smiles because he went against Michael and one of our colleagues. And we're not supposed to do this in the media, obviously. But we all kind of knew what we had seen. We saw the future in front of our very eyes. Yes. And even one of our colleagues asked Kobe to sign a stat sheet that Wait, night who and autographed it? it. 
I don't want to say. It, but, it was you know. it was Berman. No Berman. No. No, it wasn't Mark no. Berman. Was it was no. it Vessi? I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna say. You're not gonna Peter give Peter Vessi. What a wit. What a wuss. No, it wasn't Vessi. It oh, wasn't Vessi. <laughs> God, who was? I'm now. I'm trying to go crazy and think about it. Uh, yeah, that's that's one. Of, well, he's got that stat sheet. Oh, you know. Yeah, um, and I mean, we we knew what we saw that night. We saw the future. We saw yeah. this young, brash kid who was the future. All right, let's go. Time to stick the landing. Thanks to our great friend Om Young Sook for sharing his insight on Kobe Bryant and all the aftermath there in L.A. Thanks to my producer Bruce Bernstein for all of his hard work and fashion advice. Ben Wolf and edits the show, and we always appreciate his contributions. Please check out our other Pure Hoops Media shows. Every Wednesday, we have Catch and Shoot 2.0 with Aaron Berlin and Otto Strong. They have Coach Dave Miller, a dear friend of Kobe, and his stories were incredible. Each Thursday, Monica McNutt drops by with buckets, boards, and blocks. Her guest this week is J.A. Adande from ESPN and the LA Times. He knew Kobe as well as anyone in the media. Every Friday, it's the Pure Hoops podcast with B.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman. And I'm back each Monday. Please check out all of our shows, download them, rate and review them. But most of all, enjoy. See you next week on The Mike Wise Show. The Mike Wise Show used to be called The Wise Ass Show, but it remains a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.